the X Factor Files podcast. I'm Daryl. I'm Philip. This is our third time recording this <laughs> intro. So the first time, a bunny hopped on the laptop, stopped recording, and deleted the track straight up All right at the away. same time. Yes. And um, the second time, the computer said that it was too slow to keep up with the pace of our recording. So. Here we are, third time's a charm. Um, that bunny that hopped up is a brand new rescue that we have. Yeah, not Nick or Nora, but yeah. it's Asta. It's Asta, another name drawn from the Thin Man universe. The Thin Man cinematic universe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Five movies worth. Yeah. Um, I think we've seen all... You haven't seen Thin Man Goes Home yet, which is quite good. But Nick and Nora Charles have a dog named Asta in the movies, and so when this rescue came to us, we were like... This name makes sense. Yes. And uh, the rescue came because I'm a crazy bun-bun dad in Facebook groups, and one of them is bunnies needing rescue. and Which I could not do. Like, I could not deal with that level of heartache. And uh, someone posted that they had rescued this rabbit, and the poor thing, the picture was um, a bunny underneath their car in the shade while the sun was beating down. Like, it's been pretty brutal in terms of sunshine the past week but before that it was torrential rain and severe storms storms. so uh, poor asta um i picked her up over lunch i bounced and got a carrier and then after work i went and picked her up and then immediately afterwards you had arranged for a vet appointment for her which was a small miracle because the next available wasn't until july yeah, so... And she needed to be seen. She is underweight. She had fleas. Um, she's got a lot of matted fur because of Sitting the circumstances in, yeah. that she was in. So they helped get her shaved and everything. And a day after when I got up to see her, like, there were parts of her that were clearly in rough shape. But even in the two days since I've been here, she looks so much better. Like, she's grooming, she's constantly eating, and naturally she's constantly pooping, which in rabbits is a great sign, because their digestive health sort of dictates their general health. And so, yeah, she's social, and we just don't know what to do with that, because Nick and Nora are only come to us when they want a treat. Yeah, otherwise they're pretty self-sufficient and self-satisfied. They don't really even cuddle with each other that much. They just do their own thing. Sometimes Nick will sidle up to Nora. Yes, but Nora never sidles up to Nick. No. Um, So, uh, Asta's on the road to recovery. We're going to try to get her spayed in a month because we have to wait to see if she's going to have a litter because there's really no way to tell if a bunny is pregnant until they start nesting and then babies pop out. Yep. So we're going to get her spayed and then we have to wait eight weeks for hormones to go away before... Before trying to bond. Yes. So even though they'll be in the same house next weekend when she goes to get her first vaccination shot, she will be in a separate room, separate area. We don't want to start any of that meet and greet off on a bad foot. So we're going to keep them separate until they're in a good spot to start the bonding process, which will be scary for us. They will probably... Be like, why are you making a big deal out of this, dads? Yeah. So, that is our bunny update and why we are on the third time recording just this intro. I mean, we didn't even get into the full episode. No, it was the intro. And she, while Daryl's still sleeping, I would come out and have breakfast. And then any 
she would just sit on my chest or she would just sit by my shoulder as I was sitting on the floor. Like she would sit on the couch behind me and she'd just be there for like five minutes, teeth chattering, which is the rabbit equivalent of purring. And yeah, she's not shy. It's going to be great. Everything's going to be great. So uh, this issue we're discussing, it's issue 13 and it's from January, 2007. Are you ready for this pop culture pop-up? I am. All right. So first, on the charts is a song that was so fucking annoying. Oh, no. It's It's, too early for Friday. It hinders lips of an angel. Oh. Oh, it's bad. My girl's in the next room. Sometimes I wish she was you. It's some guy, like, calling this other woman, being like, oh, it's hard to be faithful. Ew. Yeah. And it, yeah. Dear listener, if anyone ever says that to you, drop them. (laughs) Yep. They are not worth it. It's so gross. Like, and the song was everywhere. I can't stand the dude's voice. Oh, luckily Um, I was... Hinder will not be a guest on this podcast. (laughs) Luckily I was, like back on campus and like in my own little bubble so i think i dodged a bullet on that one you definitely did something i didn't dodge was i love new york premiered on vh1 you love new york i do uh new york is in the motherfucking house um it's one for taglines and and isn't there a pumpkin one uh, no pumpkin was from flavor of love so uh, I Love New York is a spinoff of Flavor of Love, which is a spinoff of, uh, oh, it was uh, Brigitte Nielsen and Flavor Flav. It was like Unreal Love or something. It was like their relationship, um, which was a spinoff of The Surreal Life. So this is like four times removed (laughs) spinoff from The Surreal Life. It's almost like All in the Family had a bunch of spinoffs or Happy Days had a bunch of spinoffs. Oh, okay. Surreal Life had a bunch of spinoffs. Um, obviously I love Tiffany Pollard, who is New York, but a queen. I recently bought both seasons of the show digitally so I could <laughs> just watch them endlessly. Um, the, so looking back at 2006, since we're at Seven. a vantage point, no, looking back oh. at 2006 from January, 2007, Got since it. we're at a vantage point to do so. Um, both Bravo and VH1 had their best ratings ever due to reality TV. This is when Real Housewives started, and VH1 had all the celeb reality. I Love New York, Flavor of Love, there's Rock of Love with Brett Michaels from Poison. Isn't this also, like, there's one season of that, one of the cooking competition shows. But then after that, I think that started to kick off on Project Runway. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Like, those sort of things were also boosting... Yes, they Bravo. were. Bravo. Um, the OG shows. Yes. And uh, Bravo, I mean, Bravo was such a niche TV channel up until then. Like I don't even know what was on it. It was then. all about, like, opera and things like that. What? Yeah. That is a... That yeah, is a and um, Inside the Actors Studio oh. was on Bravo. So it was very much, like, highfalutin... Like, upper crust. Wow, to sort, go sort from that to... Real Housewives. Yeah. Flipping tables in New Jersey. Um, and then the Golden Globes happened this month. So, uh, just a couple highlights from that. The uh, best musical or comedy was Dreamgirls. I love Dreamgirls. 
Oh, yeah. And along with that, Eddie Murphy and Jennifer Hudson won the Supporting Actor Awards in their respective categories. As well they should. Um, and then at the winner's... Oh, what is it called? Winner's Press Conference, Isaiah Washington from Grey's Anatomy said about... Is it TR Night? I think so. He's like, I didn't call him a faggot. And... Um, in front of, like, Shonda Rhimes, and everyone was in the audience, and he was quickly written off of that series. I remember this controversy. Me too. It was just bad news bears with, it, apparently, it, I don't know if it's true or not, I could dig back into gospel articles, but I have other things going on. Um, but I know that he created, like, a really bad set environment, so... Yeah. It was... Probably best for him to leave. Even Catherine Heigl is like, he was not good for the cast. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Issue 13. So we just came off of this trilogy of issues where we sort of got some resolution to the singularity question. The younger dupes of Trip are dead, of Damien Trip. So all that's left is sort of this like time displaced quantum version of the evil Merlin version of Damon Tripp. Yeah. And as part of that explosion, one of Jamie's dupes was killed, and it was a dupe that knew that Tripp had killed his parents, and it wasn't just a freak tornado. And that issue closed with Jamie being like, just get me home. I just need to be home to, like, recover. Uh, Guido wasn't even a part of that operation because he was knocked out from his um, hypnosis, he had killed Dr. Buchanan, attacked M as she tried to do a mental probe, and Quicksilver zapped him. Yeah. So there's no recap page in this issue. No. And uh, this is an issue they've mentioned in letter pages going back a few issues building up. You're going to learn more about the characters This is in a- issue 13. There's not a whole lot of action. Like, there's a broken wall at the very end of the issue... But it's not action-based because it's almost it's 98% character development. Like, where are the characters now? What have they been going through? We get so much depth from them, yeah. even though it's not action-packed. It's a definite page-turner. Yeah, and the format is separate therapy sessions for each member of the team. Over the course of a day, like, it starts yeah. with Guido in the morning, it ends with Quicksilver at night... And then we get a final scene from the very next day. So, uh, do you want to summarize each of these? Yeah. So All right, so we have Guido first, and he has his yo-yo. Because they each have, like, greater existential questions that they're dealing with, which is amazing that you can develop that in a way when you only give two or three pages per character. And so Guido's recapping... Um, like junior high or elementary school, like there was a hypnotist, some dude clipped like a chicken, and it was so funny this other kid peed himself. And the point of that story was that the hypnotist said you can't make someone do something that they wouldn't otherwise do. So Guido's dealing with this greater question of like, am I a murderer? Has that seed been put in me for, or like yeah. been growing in me yeah. as a fixture of my character? And he's got his yo-yo to distract him, but it's a crappy new one, so the string breaks, and he has a little temper tantrum. And he stomps it. And he stomps it. 
and the therapist, which we never see, we only get these sort of green text bubbles. We know who it is. I don't know who it is. Oh, I know who it is. It's Doc Sampson. How did you know that? Because they show more glimpses later on. Well, yeah, but at this point, we don't know. Correct. We don't know, but then later on, we see it's Doc Sampson. Who I don't know. Therapist to the stars. (laughs) He's the, I think he's the only therapist in the Marvel Universe. We do. That's prominent. Yeah, because eventually, like, Black Knight in a recent one will get a virtual version. Oh, yeah. And one of the people in Guardians of the Galaxy, like, is some sort of healing place that they go to. And there's, like, mental health services as well as physical health services, which is nice. Um, So Guido's dealing with this, even though the explanation is, like, you weren't really hypnotized, it was more like brainwashing. And I didn't know that because of Strong Guy's mutation and how his upper body is twisted or something. Like, there's just too much muscle mass or something, so he's constantly in pain, and that's why he jokes so much. Mm. And... And he's joking throughout this entire session. Yeah, he closes with a joke. Like, his thing is, leave him laughing. Yep. Um, about why Helen Keller is a bad driver, and he says it's because she's a woman. <laughs> the patriarchy. The name of this issue is then revealed. It's re-examinations. So re-examinations. I wonder if they, like, to a prerequisite to writing an X book is you have to come up with so many words that you mm. can use X in. Maybe. So next we move on to Layla Miller, who is sitting the opposite way on a couch. Yep. Towards the floor, feet up. She, it's a very pippy, long stocking kind of style. Complete with the stockings. Complete very... with the her orange and black iconic stockings. And they have a just open with a discussion about how the world is sort of how you see it. Like she's sitting like that because it's a more unique perspective instead of just the same old world that everyone else sees. And they get into a thing about, oh, do you know why it's so silly when on in space shows, when they show a ship off kilter? It's because you don't know it's off kilter if you don't have a planetary body to relate it to. And so they start to play chess. And, I mean, naturally, Layla wins. But they sort of go along this chess metaphor, which then gets woven through other characters. And Layla sees herself as a pawn. She's playing a separate game. She sees the board. She sees all the people. And, yeah, the Doc Samson is confused, like... But it's the weakest piece, and but then there's also a potential if the pawn makes it all the way across the other side of the board, she becomes the most powerful piece mm. on the board. So who knows what metaphor that is? Like, is getting to the other side, Layla growing up? Is it some other sort of hero-ish type journey that she has to go through? Mm. Yeah, we're not sure. But that potential is within her. Yep. Richter is next. He's looking grungy. It's, I mean, slightly hunky. Yeah. I mean, not grungy in a gross way. I mean, he's like that dirty guy you're super into. Except for his hair. Yeah. He still has the court page awful haircut. Yeah. Um, But vaguely thirst trapping in his undershirt. And so the obvious conversation with him is how are you dealing with the lack of your powers? And they sort of go banter back and forth, and Richard's like, getting mad and frustrated and because he feels baited into answering the questions because mm-hmm. doc Sampson is like oh are you afraid to answer this question and you tell me how i'm how i feel blah 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 um and we get an explanation 
that there's good days and bad days. The bad days are days you wonder why me, and the good days are the days that you're too busy to wonder that. Mm. And there's this moment of like, dot, dot, dot. Well, yeah, pretty much. And he's been having a rougher go Mm -hmm. a bit more recently, and like that day in particular is a bad day. So he's had a bad day. Oh, no. Yeah. That song. Yep. It's back. Oh, we should probably take a time out from this heavy-duty recap Mm -hmm. to talk about some of the art stuff. Yeah. The art is real good. Yep. It's a different artist from before. It's the artist from the original Madrox miniseries. Oh. Good call. Well, I read that from the letters page. I'm I'm trying to work my way up to being able to recognize names. It's Pablo Ramondi. And... Some of the close-ups, like, especially in this next section about Siren, are so good. Um, All of them are good. Yeah. Um, But her, in particular, the art really seems to add a whole other layer. It's very well done. Yeah, and going into this, we know that she's still in denial. Oh, for sure. Like, that has been an ongoing thing that was never resolved. Yep. And so, she starts out, like, smiling, she's in a good mood, and sort of going off like we took a stand on thing we wrapped up singularity things are going great the team is really coming together and there's a shot of her like finishing that monologue smiling on the couch and the doctor says oh well by the way i'm sorry to hear about your dad and it's one of those panels where it's very clear that the character just freezes and she's like pardon <laughs> before going off into the Full, full length of the Nile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, she's not going to be fooled. She knows her dad is just pretending to be dead to fool his enemies. You can't get one over on Teresa Cassidy. And as long as the therapist can't produce a body, like, can't say definitively that her dad is dead for sure and will not be coming back, mm-hmm. she doesn't have to deal with it. She's like, there you go. You can't. Is this going to wrap up? I've got a hair appointment. and Yeah. Like I she, mean, girl's she... hair is looking a little bit lank. Yeah. Um, but then, sort of dealing with it all, she sort of bats aside the, the question about if she wants a drink or not as a recovering alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of puts it back like, oh, what would you normally do with everything? Like, you would scream, oh, la-di-da, must be nice to be able to do that without <laughs> leveling a city block. Yep. And the one gleam of light that like also comes out of this that she ends with is the fact that she's with Jamie Prime and she is not shy about how she describes him. No, and and when I mean Prime, yeah. So she is opening that portion of the conversation. We know what's going on. Yes. So Doc Sampson is about to because Monet is the next one up. Like, it's such a good segue to go from Siren to Monet using the affair with Jamie as a bridge. Mm-hmm. And Monet, like, similar to Richter, has this sort of, like, does not want to be there. You know so much, why don't you tell me? Like, what the whole exterior front that she has to put up. Mm-hmm. And this is really good, like, it's still it, sort of, she's similar to Emma Frost with, like, what you get on the outside is very different than what's going on on the inside, 
and the way that she talks about needing um like the persona yes. Monet St. Croix this is what you're getting and he, she needs that persona yes. like the she needs that her version of a diamond exterior to rely on like as a source of strength because what's happening underneath is so unexpected like you would never think that like any day every day mm-hmm. she has to focus on like not ending her life yeah because within her she can feel and play to which I miss the Generation X I, I really need to go back and read it because it seems like it would be great yeah parts of it oh. some of it later in the run it gets a little weak okay but like the first giant chunk of that run it's like 75 issues in total oh wow like it's good and yeah she she references a lot to generation x not only um and plate and penance as two forces within her mm-hmm. so she's there's three of them within her and she needs her persona to give her strength to keep the other two in check even though they are like bone marrow suckingly strong and invasive and yeah. pervasive and um she references generation x when she's even talking about how Teresa is still in denial about banshee because banshee was more of a father to her than mm-hmm. her being monet yep than he was to terry yep which well i mean bold statement but also like points out the differences and like the sort of the reveals when Cyclops came and said that Banshee had died. Yep. And how Monet had taken it versus Terry's full denial. Yeah. I thought that was interesting that it yeah. was well done. And it's true. I mean, in Generation X, there's a certain point where Banshee will go off and um, be in issues of X-Force where Terry is. Oh. Like he, he's gone for a while from Generation X because he's forming that relationship and speaks to it later in that Generation X run. So... Nice. Oh, that's right, because Terry taking on the surname was a big deal. Yes. Because that wasn't how it started. So the chess metaphor we get with M is she picks up the White Queen and the Black Queen and holds them in her hands, and as she's describing the turmoil within her about Penance itching to get out or be transformed back into Penance, um, she ends up crushing these two pieces together. Yeah. And she she tears up. It's a very vulnerable, vulnerable M. Yeah. Yes. Oh, it's so good. It really is. And then she ends with um, the sort of smirk of Jamie, and Jamie's been real good. <laughs> and who do we get next? Oh, it's Jamie. Jamie's session is next outside the windows of this therapy office. You can see it's getting darker. It's coming on dusk. Right. And he's looking like a snack. Yes. Yes, he is. That's all I can say about that. Um, And, like, the second panel in, he's busted for having slept with both Terry and Monet, and they don't know. Um, And so... And he, he really doesn't know. The therapist is like, oh, have you tried sleeping with Rain? <laughs> And which leads into the whole, like, oh, so I guess you know. And he's like, oh, I bet this looks bad. And I bet you'd be right. Mm -hmm. Is there anyone else we should know about? And 
Jamie makes the crack at, well, I wouldn't kick Richter out of my bed. Well. I mean, yeah. fact. Yeah. Um, but it's also, like, 2007, so it's clearly covered up, like, as a joke. Like, anyone's yeah. queerness is clearly just there to be funny. Yeah, but it's coded. You can see that Peter David is throwing things. Yeah, like... Very th- small, like, laying the groundwork... So when eventually that happens in this series, you can look back and be like, oh, okay. Because in one of the letters pages, they reference that, like, this relationship that Richter and Shatterstar have and how people kept reading it as queer, um, but there wasn't any sort of official word on it. Like, so this is to, like, teasing it out. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, 2007, 2006, like... This was the era of a lot of gay firsts out in public. Yes. So Lance Bass, just a few months ago. Oh. I mean, I was thinking more soap opera stuff. Oh. But Lance Bass. Yeah. With, with Riken. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, then they start to actually get into some of the turmoil with Jamie, of, like, what he found out, that he's not... He's not a homo-superior... In the way that other people are, he's some mm-hmm. sort of genetic throwback, and he's just not been dealing with it particularly well, especially given his indecision. And we get sort of another version of this. He wants to explore all the options, and with his power, he wants mm-hmm. to do all the options, and therefore he doesn't actually choose any of them. So, it's been a lot. Yeah. And he gets four pages. I feel yeah. like that's more than anyone else. Yeah, and Doc Samson is basically calling out and being like, You're you're growing up. You're Welcome to adulting. Yes, exactly. And uh, like how these people having expectations of you goes along with it. Yes, and uh, Jamie's having a tough time with it. And he views his life as very complicated. Yes. And Doc Samson is like you need to tell Monet and Siren. Yep. Like, you owe it to them. Yep. And rain. I think it's fitting that they do rain at night. Yeah, the werewolf thing. Yes. Yeah. And the fact that she goes in between each mm-hmm. is real nice. And so she's very pensive looking out the window. We get this depth of character as she's exploring her human's half versus her wolf half and in addition to like the drastic physical differences mm-hmm. when she's in her human form she has all the normal human emotions and doubt and like complications that all that doubt and guilt and everything bring up but when she's in her wolf form all that sort of fades away I don't know it's a great character dichotomy that you don't you would never see it. Mm-hmm. You can only get it out of dialogue, and you can only really get it in this sort of context where she's bearing her soul. Yes. And she starts to describe the vision that she saw that Evil Merlin Tripp's senior senior mm-hmm. gave to her. And she feels that it was true. And again, the art being amazing. So we get a great contrast between her in the session holding up her hand and her hand from the vision like exact same position clearly in a different space and covered in blood this time and Doc Samson asks yours and she says no theirs 
and reveals on the next page that it's a grown-up Layla and Madrox on their wedding night. And she has, in her words, gutted them like a trout. Like, it's not great. And it's causing an existential crisis with her in terms of her religion because it's so foundational to who she is. And so she's like, do I kill myself to prevent myself from killing them? Because I know this is true. Like, this is going to happen. But suicides go to hell. Murderers go to hell. Damned if I do, damned if I don't. God's abandoned me, is what she says. What a moment. And that's how her session ends. Yeah. And the last one is Quicksilver. Ugh. Remember all those issues ago where I'm like, he's going to stick around a while. He's still here. And I was like, bleh. Yeah. I mean, at least he was nice enough to bring donuts. Yeah. It's unclear, like, if this is so late that they're fresh. I think they're probably just day-olds. Quicksilver definitely got the day-olds. Oh, yeah. This would not be, like, the 4 a.m. when the donut shop's open. And so... He's offering some pastries. He's just very nonchalant about this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And and it looks like they're doing it in his office, maybe? Yeah. Or his they, apartment. There, It's a venue change. He went to... The do- the therapist went to Quicksilver's clinic, which is just apparently an empty room. Yeah. Some folding furniture. You know, like you do. Yeah. And they're talking about how Quicksilver like, has done these evil things, but he's not evil. He just had a role to play. Um, and does he miss being speedy? And Quicksilver's like, no, I've got this. Um, so I hear you're evil now. And Quicksilver's like, yes, I hear that also. <laughs> and the therapist asks, is it true? And clearly the answer is yes, because Quicksilver took a bite out of one of the donuts and then puts it back on the plate with Ew. the rest. So clearly evil. <laughs> the chess analogy comes up again. And Quicksilver sees himself as a bishop. Yeah, it's like a weird religious leader thing going on. Like a pawn of this greater game where it's not him making the decision. He's an instrument and he can't be held responsible if these people are not deserving of getting their powers yeah. back. And... oh. It's still a very evil monologue It is. And there is a fun line. The future is written by the winners. History is written by the survivors. And Quicksilver's a survivor, as is everyone else in X-Factor. Although, <laughs> Except perhaps Layla Miller, whom I would happily squash like an insect. Are you sure you don't want a pastry? The- <laughs> What a dick. Yeah. So uh, this long day of therapy is over. We do see Doc Samson sort of speaking into his recorder, his tape recorder as he's walking down the street. Very hunky. He is. And he's reflecting on everything like... The team as a whole. Yes. He's summarizing everything for the entire team. And they all have a lot of trauma. They're all disconnected from reality, in denial, in shock, in trouble. Yes. Um, and, yeah, as it goes back to the X-Factors. And he's like, I have to tell that joke to Jen. That would be She-Hulk. Oh, we love She-Hulk. Yes, Doc Samson and She-Hulk are, like, besties. Oh, good for her. Yeah. Also, when is that next issue coming out? I know. It's so good. And as he's walking past the X-Factor building, who gets thrown out a window but our... 
very own Jamie Madrox. And both senses and impact, there's a dupe, and Doc catches both of them. Yes. And we get this very, like, um, oh, what's the word? Feeble? Faint? Like, yeah. Jamie's about to pass out. And he's like, you gotta tell them, you owe them that to them. Great advice there, Doc. Because Monet is shouting through a window, you two-timing son of a bitch. <laughs> and the other, it's unclear. Oh, do we know which one is the dupe? Nope. The letters are so good. Like, the, the feebleness. Yeah, I think it's that one on the right. And love what you've done with your hair, by the way. <laughs> like, further alluding to the queer undertones of Madrox? Who knows? Yeah. And then the next panel is they have both passed out. And uh, Doc Samson just sighs. And that's the end of the issue. It is. So our cliffhanger is that the relationship messiness has been exposed. It has. And I can't wait to talk about the after effects because yeah. it's well done. It is. Le- well, letters page. Yeah. And it's funny um, because the very first one is talking about how um, you love the new artist. Please keep him around. I know as a second-rate X book, this title will always get second-rate writers, artists, inkers, and colorists. And so that's the thread that appears throughout all of Peter David's responses. Um, <laughs> Which and, is hilarious that he carries that through. Yeah, like, someone else is talking about how much they like it, but also how dare they say I for someone in Wales they would never... And so his, Peter David's response is, well, John, I do a considerable bit of research for each issue. Little things are sometimes going to slip through. Then again, that's what happens when you're a second-rate writer on this book, alas. <laughs> um, the next one is talking about maybe bring Havoc and Lorna, maybe try bring these other people in. And Peter David's response, well, as you can see, Jamie is already busy dealing with little fallout. Um, as for Jamie and Guido joking around, maybe after the dust settles, Havoc and Lorna won't be showing up anytime soon. Tragically, they're too busy appearing in first-rate X-books. <laughs> Someone just goes off on Layla Miller and M and how they don't like Richter. Like, he was, Richter's been a secondary B-list character. What is he even doing? We do agree, though, the, the writer of this letter doesn't like Richter's hair. Mm. Fair. I hope it changes soon. Me too. Like, he, even in the Shatterstar miniseries I found that day from that mini Comic-Con thing, um, he looks way better. Like, his grungy, like, vest look Mm -hmm. with a shorter, punky-ish hair looks, is a good look for him. Mm -hmm. Um, bring Shatterstar in, Angel, Moonstar, maybe some A-list characters, and Peter David's like, (laughs) Sorry, Andrew, but sadly enough, Rafael Soto, has the first letter writer, has already made clear to us what a bunch of second-rate characters are running the show. <laughs> and there's a little bit more description about Layla Miller, and <laughs> she's developing quite a fan base. If this keeps up, she'll be promoted to an A-level and be removed from this book entirely since we only have second-rate characters and creators around these parts. <laughs> oh, In the shade. So much shade. <laughs> So, outstanding issue for character development, and I think it comes at a great time. Obviously, Peter David planned this out so well. Like, it got through a bunch of action, and a bunch of action-related revelations, and this is taking a pause. 
Yes, this is the dust settling, re- like, what it actually takes to regroup. Yeah. And see where you're at. Because sort of like Richter and his lack of powers, if you're too busy, you don't can't actually deal with the actual issue. Yeah. So... All right. So good. That's our issue. I highly recommend people go out and read this issue. And to think we were worried that our latest bun would hop up and make all sorts of sounds, but she's just been a loaf this whole episode. Yeah, taking a nap. So, all right, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Hit us up on Instagram, X Factor Files Podcast. And we'll just catch you next time with, um, I think the follow-up begins next yeah. issue. It really does. The relationship stuff. So can't wait to chat about that. Take care, everyone. Be safe. Bye.